Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time to get it checked, boy. You on the sideline, you ain't made the headlines. Now it's time to reject, boy. You bitten on me? What's the topic of discussion? What you talking about? Take your best shot, I'ma take the last shot. I'm Jordan in the clutch, boy. You bitten on me? It's time to get it checked, boy. You on the sideline, you ain't made the headlines. Now it's time to reject, boy. You bitten on me? What's the topic of discussion? What you talking about? All righty, guys. Welcome to a championship week edition of the Auto Bid. I am Aaron Robinson, joined as always by my twin brother Andrew Robinson. Today, we got a treat for you guys, man. I'm sure all you guys watched Peter Kiss uh, in that spectacle that was the Brian Wagner NEC championship game. We're going to be joined by Peter Kiss as well as his head coach, Jared Grasso. Um, in an interview later, man, obviously they're fresh off the NEC championship game. So super excited to get you guys to that interview. But it's championship championship week, man. Bids are being are being uh, punched. Or excuse me, tickets are being punched. Bids are being grabbed um, in these leagues, man. And it's a lot of fun, man. So definitely going to dive into all of those tournaments, the ones that have already been punched. We're going to look forward to some tournaments uh, that, that haven't um, been punched yet. And we're going we're gonna to give you guys some preview content for that. But before that, I want to remind you guys, as always, make sure you guys are subscribing to this podcast, giving us a like, a retweet, a rating on social media, wherever you, wherever you get this podcast, man. Please, please tap in with our, with our uh, content on Spotify, on, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening to us, man. Please um, give us a, give us a uh, five-star rating, subscribe, uh, hit that like button, man. It does go a long way, man. So uh, as well as that, make sure you guys are streaming my, my guy Pull Up Tay's music. Uh, his new project, Why Stop Now, is out on all platforms. So make sure you guys are streaming uh, his music, man. It's one of the one. He's one of the hottest artists coming up out of the DMV right now. So make sure you guys are tapping in with my guy's music, man. But like I said before, man, a lot of content to get into, a lot of stuff to break down, man. So I'm gonna go ahead and toss it over to my guy Drew to, to kick us off. Yeah, man. You know we've had so, a lot of basketball, you know, being played, a lot of bids being punched, man. So um, I mean, since we're obviously gonna uh, ha- have Peter kissing them on uh. We gotta talk about that game a little bit, man. Versus Wagner, man. I mean, that was that was probably the most surprising result. Man, I watched that game from tip to finish, and uh, I mean, Brian absolutely jumped out on Wagner, man. Got to a thirty-six to six lead in the first half, and the game was pretty much over from then, man. Saw some fans fighting in the stands. You know, I think uh, to say the least, man. I think you know Peter Kish proved why uh, he deserved to be the Player of the Year in the NEC. Um, I think Alex Morales had an exceptional season. But uh, I think I think last night, man, he definitely uh, kind of used that as motivation to propel Bryant into the NCAA tournament, man. Being able to avenge a loss on that very same home court that he lost to Mount St. Mary's on last year, man. So uh, kudos to Bryant and uh, obviously Coach Grasso and, and, and Peter Kiss and, and Charles Pride and the whole game, man, for punching their tickets to the NCAA tournament uh, in convincing fashion over, over Wagner. Not for sure, man. I mean, I think... Last night, you know, luckily I was I was at the CA tournament watching that um Delaware UNC Wilmington final, which was at seven o'clock, and we had three seven o'clock championship games in the same window. We had Brian Wagner, Delaware UNC Wilmington, and of course Northern Kentucky and Wright State in the Horizon League were all playing at seven o'clock. So, um, you know, obviously I, I was 
you know, present at the at the Delaware UNC Wilmington game, but I definitely had that Brian that Bryant Wagner game on in the background. And luckily, I didn't have to watch the second half because of uh, the way that Bryant came out in that first half and punched Wagner in the mouth. Man, they were, they were up at one point in time, thirty six to six, and I was like, okay, well, this game's over. You know what I'm saying? So I could focus on uh, the CA championship game and Delaware UNC Wilmington ended up being an outstanding game. And obviously, um, the Wright State Northern Kentucky game was really good as well, but. Thank you to Peter Kiss and Bryant for, for, you know, not allowing us to have to focus on three championship games at, at one time and only allowing us to have to focus on two. Because uh, so, that, that, that was definitely a, a great favor. So I want to shout out to Peter Kiss for that. Shout out to my guy Tristan Freeman who pointed that out last night uh, in our group chat as well. Yeah, now we're, we're going to run through a couple of the other uh, championship bids that were punched. Before, I got to ask you about the city championship, man, because obviously I was also watching that game. And, um, what do you think about about UNC Wilmington's execution down the stretch? I mean, they had two two opportunities to kind of take the lead or tie the game. You know, they were down by one, and they pretty much went with two back to back isolation plays, no ball screen, no no action, just one on one, go get a bucket. I mean, what do you think about that late game execution there? I have to say, man, people people have been asking me about this last night. I was like, yo, they've been doing that all year. Like, like that's not that's not anything new. Like that's how they play. Like that is literally how they got to this point. Like I I, I watched them earlier in the year versus Towson. And they were down, I want to say it was like 9, 10 points with like, I think the under-16 media. And they, they said, you know what? F this. You can't guard us one-on-one. We're going to put my best players against your defenders. And we're going to see who, who, who wins the battle. And in that game, Shaquem Phillips completely took over the second half. They had him on the ISO first. I think it was him. And I think it might have had Ryan Allen on him, I want to say. Um, and he took him, took him one-on-one. Didn't get a stop. He said, all right, well, Jalen Sims' turn. Gave it Jalen Sims. He, he tried to go one-on-one. And it, 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 it didn't work, man. But obviously, Sims... Had an outstanding tournament. He was on, on the conference, um, the all-conference team in, in CAA, man. And he was um, a first-team All-CAA member. I, w- I love Jalen Sims, man. I mean, I'm going to record right now. I think he's one of the best players in the CAA. And we've been obviously debating in the group chat all weekend about, you know, if, if, if he were to transfer. I don't, I don't have any information. I don't think he's going to transfer. I have no idea if he, if he is going to transfer or not. But if he would transfer up, I think he's somebody that can make an impact at the next level because of his size. That, that dude, like, when I, when I watched him at Towson, obviously you're up a little higher in the stands. So, like, you're not on the floor. That dude is huge, bro. Like, he's like six, legit 6'6", six, six, swole, can handle it, can shoot it. So, I, I love his game. But, I mean, look, at the end of the day, man, what better – What I, mean, I think any coach would ask, you know, if, if I got my best player playing one-on-one for a bid, like, I, I'll take that, man. If he makes it, you know, we go to the dance. If, we, if he misses, then we go home. I think most coaches would, 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 would take that. So, like I said, they've been playing that, that same way all year, man. And, obviously, uh, credit to Delaware for getting those – Defensive stops when it matter, man, and for really, really, you know, turning the season around because they were one of the worst defensive teams in the in the conference all all regular season, man. But they were able to put together a masterpiece on the defensive end for three straight nights and come away with that CAA championship. So kudos to Martin Inglesby uh, in Delaware for being able to be able to get that done. Yep. Now, on a couple of um, least, you know, uh, less surprising results, Gonzaga was able to get the bid out of the WCC, WCC defeating St. Mary's, South Dakota State. Completes the uh, perfect season uh, in the summer league, and, and they get a victory over North Dakota State in the game. That was actually a lot more closely contested than people think. I mean, that game was a one possession game for majority of the second half, coming down the stretch. And North Dakota State actually had a couple of chances to kind of uh, tire, take the lead late, but uh, top, top, top North Dakota State was able to kind of pull that out in the end. We gotta mention this, man. I gotta stop here. We gotta talk about this one, man. Probably the most exciting game of the entire weekend was Chattanooga and Furman. Obviously, we're still going, man, but. David Jean Baptiste was able to hit an absolute prayer to 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 beat Furman, man. After after Mike Bothwell, I mean, 
made the game win layup that most people thought was the game win layup with four seconds left. And then uh, G. Baptiste comes down and, and buries a three-pointer to send Chattanooga to, to death, man. I mean, what, what, what were your thoughts on that game? Man, my heart breaks for Furman. Like, breaks for Furman. Like, they've never been to the NCAA tournament. And this was probably their best chance at doing so, man. And like, like you mentioned, man, Mike Bothwell thought he won the game. I mean, like, they, were, they were ready to celebrate and cut the nets down. Um, and, man, for Gene Baptiste to go down there and hit that shot the way that he did, man, was was – that was our first true March moment. Like we haven't really had a March moment until that shot by Gene Baptiste, man. And that, and that shot is gonna make the one China moment clip for sure. Um, we see it in a few weeks. But I mean, that's a shot that he'll, he'll remember for the rest of his life, man. Anybody that knows me knows that I've been on the Furman train for about two years. I was on them last year. I've been on them, I was on them this year the whole way. And man, they were that close to cutting down the nets, man, winning the SoCon. And my heart just breaks for them, man. I mean, I, I can't even imagine what that must feel like in that moment to go up to. You got four seconds to play. You're, you're thinking you're about to just go go down and get a stop. And Gene Baptiste, man, just hits, hits a prayer from the five-second line, man, and send him to the dance, man. That was an unreal sequence. I was Again, I was at the CAA tournament watching that game. I forget who's playing at that time. I want to say it might have been College of Charleston and UNC Wilmington. And um, me and my guy Nick Lawrence of Mid-Major Madness were sitting next to each other. We are watching the game, and literally we both screamed, like, oh, and people were like, What's going on? Like, <laughs> I press roll. We, we were like, yo, like, that's crazy. It was it was nuts, man. So, man, what a week. What a game, man. And that, that was a heck of a shot um, to end that game by David John Baptiste. Yep, yep. Another school, I mean, like you mentioned, Furman trying to get back to the NCAA tournament, man. Longwood was able to punch their first ever ticket to the NCAA tournament, uh, winning the Big South undisputed. They got a 21-point victory over winter of 79 to 58. Uh, we mentioned uh, the, the Horizon League. Obviously, Wright State was able to get the, the win over Northern Kentucky in a game where Northern Kentucky, you know, had pretty much, you know, pretty good control of that game uh, for much of the second half. But Wright State goes on a run, ends up winning it. Loyola rallies and, and, and defeats Drake 64 to 58 to get the automatic bid out of the Missouri Valley. And a lot of people were questioning, uh, you know, if, if, if they were going to win the Missouri Valley after they kind of limp to the finish down the stretch. Obviously, Northern Iowa won the regular season, but, you know, they pull it out. Murray State, no surprise, completes the undefeated season and wins the OVC. Georgia State gets the automatic bid out of the Sun Belt. But one league that we did not mention yet that is, you know, the most unique is the Atlantic Sun. And uh, where Bellarmine wins the Atlantic Sun tournament title but can't go dancing. They, 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 um, they beat Jacksonville in that championship game. So one would think that they all have been able to go to the second place team, the runner up, but no, it actually goes to Jacksonville State, who bowed out in the semifinals of the A Sun tournament, but received the automatic bid because they won the regular season. I mean, what are your thoughts on this, Ace? It's a joke. It's a joke. Like, this is why teams don't play in their conference tournaments. Like, this is why Merrimack in the NEC is in a similar situation. Obviously, they came up from D2, I want to say two years ago. Um, and they they can't play in the NC tournament for this exact reason because if by some strange reason that team wins the tournament, now you're looking at a situation like this where it, it's it's you cannot tell me like how can you look Jacksonville in the face and say yeah, you guys aren't going to the dance. Because, well, first of all, they they, they lost to Bellarmine, so like why can't Bellarmine go to the dance? Like they won the tournament, they should be going dancing. But if if by some by you want to say all right, you know the D one, you gotta wait to pay four years, whatever. How is Jacksonville not going to the – they beat Jacksonville State head-to-head. Like, that's nuts. That's crazy to me. Like, I don't know, man. I think, this, I think, I think that's one of the, 
but it's, it's crazy because I was talking about this with Sean Paul on on After Dark um last Friday, and I was like, yo, like on the one hand, it's like, all right, like how much stock? Because for, for Jacksonville State, for example, you go thirteen and three in Atlanta, and you win the league, and you lose in the conference tournament. Like I feel like, all right, like do you do you do you value the body of work more in the regular season more, or do you value the conference tournament more? Because I think it is there is something to be said about these mid major leagues. How can you say like, all right, team like Jacksonville State that you know dominated the conference all year, won it outright, and then you know they can't go to the dance? Like I don't know. So it's it's. It's one of the, you know, the biggest paradigms in mid-major basketball because you have these situations like this. Um, but I th- this is a disaster for the A-Sun. Like, I think for them, like, this is you, – you want to avoid this situation at all costs. And I don't know why they even let Bellarmine compete in the tournament um, if you want to let him go to the dance. So, that's my two cents. I, I don't have all the answers. This is definitely not, not – not, this is above my pay grade. You know what I'm saying? So, I need, maybe need to ask Mark Emmert about this because, you know, uh, I think he'd be more suited to answer this than this, but you know, Mark Emmer is, is uh, MIA in a lot of things, you know, these days. So who knows if he's even around to answer a question like this? Yeah, I agree, man. Definitely a travesty, man. But I'm happy for those guys that belong because nonetheless, they can't go dancing, but they do get to hang a banner in their arena for winning the A10. I mean, excuse me, the A Sun. You know, get a you know get a little nice A Sun tournament ring, and hey, man, you get to go out with your last game being a victory. Unless they get invited to the NIT or something like that, which is all I hope they do. I hope they do. I hope they get to go to the NIT because, like, come on now, they got to. They, they should be able to play some more basketball than they want to do. Right, right. I agree. I and Jacksonville State won. They're going to the dance, so that would have been the AQ for the A Sun. So send Belarmin to the NIT and let them play some more basketball, man. Yeah, I'm with that, man. I'm with that, man. But so far, we have ten bids punched. Like we mentioned earlier, one of those being the NEC championship. So. Without further ado, we're going to get you guys over to our interview with Brian men's basketball head coach, Jared Grasso, and Peter Kiss right now. All righty, guys. As promised, we are here with Brian head coach, Jared Grasso. And the star of last night, uh, Peter Kiss, my former teammate at Quinnipiac. And the Brian Bulldogs are officially the NEC tournament champions after winning the regular season, man. So, P, I'll start with you, man. I mean, just Talk me through the emotions last night, man. I know, obviously, for you, it's been a long journey uh, through college, man. And never got a chance to make the tournament. So, you know, what, what was last night, you know, like for you, just being able to, when, when that buzzer went off, knowing that you were able to punch your ticket to the dance? Yeah, it was just emotional. Um, it was rewarding just to know that all the hours I put in and everyone on this team has put in has sort of come to fruition. And, um I mean, that guy right there, Coach Grosso, I can't thank him enough for everything he's done for me in my life. And um, we just want to keep this thing going, but extremely emotional. Now, for you, Coach Grosso, obviously, you know, this is your first, your first job as a head coach, man. Obviously, uh, with assistant for a while. And for you, um, you know, your first time going to the dance, man. I mean, just what was going through your mind last night, um, you know, just being able to, to accomplish, you know, what you guys were able to do, you know, last night? You know, I was happy for these guys. They worked so hard. And, you know, when I took over here, kind of had a vision of, of doing that and having a sellout crowd and cutting down nets. And we talked about it for four years. And thankfully, through recruiting, we're able to bring in guys like Pete and Chuck and Hall and Luis and guys with the toughness and the chip and the edge. And uh, these guys worked so hard since we lost that championship game last year. They were so committed and putting so much work and just happy to see those guys enjoy that moment and, and be a part of that. And I've talked to them about it. Like 
cutting down the net is one of the most special things you ever get to do winning a championship game like that. So to see these guys I love and care about, have the opportunity to do that was really special for me. Now coach, I mean, you mentioned it just now, I mean, after losing last game in title game to Mount St. Mary's uh, this season wasn't easy, man. I mean, you guys had Pete in and out of the lineup for different points in, in the season. Obviously, uh, Hal was also out of the lineup uh, for, for a large chunk of the season. You guys were down late in the game versus Mount St. Mary's in the semifinals and obviously split with Brian in the regular season. And last night was able to, you know, punch him in the mouth early and, and get a win last night. But just talk to me about the ups and downs of the season, man, and how you guys were able to overcome all that, you know, despite the obstacles uh, and be able to, to win uh, last night. Good question. To be honest with you, we needed that. Like we had to go through some things early in the season to get where we are now. And I, I said it to our team. I told our staff, like, I knew we were going to struggle early on. We didn't have Pete for the first couple of games. We were a little disjointed. Then we had a bunch of guys sick, the flu, um, with strep throat. Then COVID hit. We lost a couple of games because of COVID. Had guys out because of COVID. Pete missed a couple of games in the middle of the season. Hall got hurt. So, we just kind of bought into the daily, let's work, get better today. Let's keep working. And this team needed to go through some things to improve, to grow as a team. And I think as the team got on, as the season got on, we got more connected because we went through so much. And you need a little bit of adversity sometimes for your team to grow and evolve. And this team needed that. And we grew from it. And, you know, down the stretch, Pete's leadership and his toughness kind of propelled our guys. You know, he showed up every day knowing that we're on a mission to win a championship. And this group competed like that down the stretch. And it's the reason we're able to put ourselves in the position we're in. Now, Pete, for you, obviously, you know, the big storyline last night was, you know, you, you had a huge game. And obviously, Coach Gross, I talked to you about this like a couple weeks ago when, when the award came out. But, you know, Alex Morales obviously was player of the year and you ended up on the first team. And Obviously, last night, it felt like it was a little bit of a statement game for you. Talk to me a little bit about that aspect of it, if that you know, played into your into it at all last night and just what it meant to you to be able to, you know, to, to win last night and be able to, to you know, accomplish the ultimate goal of winning the, winning the NEC. Yeah, at the end of the day, winning a championship is the most important thing, something we talk about in our program every single day. Um, you know, the awards are just awards at the end of the day. They don't really mean much. Um, congrats to Alex Morales. He's a hell of a player on a great team, but um, I'd rather win a championship than uh, a player of the year any day of the week. And um, I mean, that's what Coach Grasso does. He wins championships and I'm just happy to be a part of it. Um, but as far as the motivation, yeah, it was a bit of, mo a bit of motivation going into the game. But at the end of the day, you got to focus on to winning the basketball game. And I think uh, that's what happened last night. Now I want to ask you, Pete. Like you, you could have left last year. You, you, you didn't have to come back for this season. I mean, you had a great year last year, um, and you probably could have, could have left and made some money this year playing professionally. I mean, what made you want to come back uh, for your fifth season, I believe, or sixth year, I believe, of, of eligibility uh, this, this season at Bryant? Yeah, I think just finishing the job um, when Coach Grosser recruited me. That was our conversation, sort of about winning a championship, and we were very close to it last year, but didn't get to accomplish that. I think coming back this year, that was the ultimate goal and the only goal. Um, so I think just just losing in the championship and having that feeling of being not good enough or just not not having enough to cut down those nets really made me want to come back and finish the job with Coach Grasso. And um, that's what ended up happening. And um, I'm just so happy for everybody in the program. And all of us um, really deserve it. Everybody in our program really deserves it because we put in more time than anyone in the country. 
Now, for you, Coach, obviously, um, this is year four uh, of your of your time here at, at Bryan. And we took over the job the year prior, you guys, well, not you guys, but Bryan only won three games um, the year prior to you taking over the job. And then I believe you had the biggest turnaround from year one to year two um, in, in, in the NCAA that year. And obviously, first time winning 20 games this season. I mean, talk, talk to me a little bit about just the process and the journey of, of building this program uh, over the last four years. Yeah, I mean, when I took over, I had a vision of what I wanted our program to look like. And a lot of it comes with guys buying into your vision. You know, like everyone talks about culture and culture is your players. Like I can have whatever vision I want. And if our players aren't bought into the work ethic and the time it's going to take and how hard we need to work and compete, then it doesn't matter. And I've been blessed to have guys who believe in the way we do things, who love being in the gym and want to be good and want to work like we won this championship in the summer when Pete and Chuck and all these guys stayed for the whole summer to train. We won this championship when Pete's back in the gym at 10, 11 o'clock working out. Chuck's back at three in the morning working out. That's when the championship was won, not last night. It's the extra time these guys put in, the extra work these guys put in. And Pete this summer changing his body after the championship game and getting stronger and all the work he put in the weight room. Like those are the things that led to this point. And I tell them all the time, it's all in the work. And it doesn't just happen because we played well yesterday. We played well yesterday because of things we've done since the day we lost to Mount St. Mary's last year. And that's a credit to our guys and their work ethic and their care factor for winning. And they showed that as the year went on and it grew and grew as the year went on. Now I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, Charles Pryor, obviously he, he's, was, was outstanding all season for you guys. And obviously in, in that two game stretch where, where Pete was out, he had three straight games. We scored over 30, and he actually landed on the first team All-NEC team. He last night had 13 points, 17 rebounds. Game before that, 24 and 10. Game before that, 24 and 8. Game before that, 20 and 8. I mean, to talk about you know what he's meant you know to, to you to you guys all year. Even in that semifinal game where Pete didn't really have his best night, you know Charles stepped up you know in, in a huge way uh, for, for the team. So I'm um, talk a little bit about what he's meant to you guys all season long. I mean, Chuck is a dog. I'll, I'll go to battle with him any day of the week and. It, whatever you needs to be done, he'll do, you know, like you said, last night, he had 13 points, 17 rebounds. We needed to rebound the ball. Pete was out. We're going to have trouble scoring. He goes and gets 44 at St. Francis PA. That's Chuck every day. He shows up, he competes, he works, he wants to be good. And he's just a junkyard dog, you know, like he's one of those guys who, you know, when the lights go on, he's going to compete. And those are the kind of guys you want around you in your program. And he's continued to get better every year and then work on his weaknesses and made them strengths. And he's going to continue to improve. And like Pete, go down as one of the best players to ever put a Brian jersey on. Now, Pete, for you, obviously, we spoke about this, you know, during the year. And obviously, when Chuck went on that run, you were like, you know, Dan, when I come back, I don't, I don't want to mess up the rhythm. Like, he, he's been awesome. You know, we, and our team has been winning. I don't, I don't want to mess that up. When, when you came back, Obviously, you you went on your own, you know, run there to close the year. I think it was like six or seven straight thirty point game or, or something like that. But how did you kind of incorporate yourself back into the lineup after missing those games and, and seeing what Chuck was able to do while you were out of the lineup? Yeah, I mean, Chuck was unbelievable when I was out and has been unbelievable the whole year. Um, so I didn't want to take anything away from him coming back, but getting back into practice and getting back into the swing of things, um, it just became sort of comfortable just playing with him again and. It was just a thought, but um, I mean, the more time you put in the gym, the more comfortable you get. And as practice went on, I got more comfortable and um, just got back to, um, I guess, playing the right way. 
Now, Coach, you, you've been in the tournament as, a, as an assistant. I mean, what are you looking forward to as far as getting there as a head coach? You know, what do you think it'll be like? And I guess what are you looking forward to most when, when you guys hear your name calling Flexing Sunday and then get out to wherever you guys are placed at in, in the tournament? Just looking forward to competing again with these guys. I've loved coaching this group and just love seeing them evolve from some struggles early on to the group we've become. And excited about the fact that we get a chance to go compete on the biggest stage. And state tournament is the best, to me, the best sporting event there is. Um, and to do it with a group of guys that I love, not just as players, but as people who, again, a lot of these guys took a chance on a program that had won three games and then won 10 games. And they believed in a vision and, and what we we're trying to do here. And they, they bought into trying to turn this into a championship program. So really looking forward to going to compete with these guys again. And hopefully got a few more games ahead of us. And I guess, Pete, for you, my question would be, um, you know, for your first time going dancing, man, I mean, what, what do you what do you think the moment's going to be like? What are you looking forward to most uh, when, when you when you when you you know hear your name called on Flexion Sunday and when you eventually, you know, get to the court and, and are able to play in that game? Yeah, I mean, um, it's definitely going to be a lot to take in, but I think just living in the moment is going to be um, the key to it all. Um, sort of taking it day by day and continuing to get better and trying to go out there and make some noise and like Grosso said, win a, a few games or playing a few games. Um, I think that's the goal. And for you, when you look back um, at your Bryant career, like how do you want to be remembered for, for your time in the Bulldog uniform? What do you want people to remember uh, Pete, Peter Kiss as? I just want to be remembered as a winner. Um, in the day, just a winner, a champion, and um, someone who plays um, extremely hard and um, gives 100%, 100% of the time. Now, Coach Grasso, I have to ask you one question before we get off of this podcast. Um, you, 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 you were a pretty good shooter back in your day, you know what I'm saying, a, a pretty good basketball player. So if you and my guy Pete were to lace him up right now, who wins? <laughs> who wins? And, and what's the score? One, one, one <laughs> shooting contest. Well, 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 we'll, do, we'll do a shooting contest. We'll do a, we'll do a shooting contest. Oh, I still win. Oh, yeah? I win. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the best shooter on this on this Zoom right now. Oh, yeah? <laughs> hey, it's not close. Hey, so you're not out shooting nobody, guy. Hey, man, listen, listen. Right now, you're probably right. Right now, you're probably right. Man, back in my prime, hey, we, we could have probably went shot for shot. You know what I'm saying? Oh. Right now, it's, it's a little different. Pete, man, you used to shoot back in the day. Don't do not do that. Me, you, me, you, me, look, look, back in the Quinnipiac day, me and you, you know what I'm saying? Look, we, we shot together hey, a bunch hey, of days, you, man. you in the 80 to 85 range. Grass in the 95 to 100 range, because... Out of 100? Oh, come on, bro. Out of 100? Grass, like you said, 95 it. out of 100? I can still flick it. All right. All right. All right. Well, listen. We're talking man, about one-on-one. -on -one, it's a whole different story. But if it's just before you're shooting, I'm betting on myself any day of the week. All right. Well, listen, we, we might got to get some footage of that, you know what I'm saying, when, when you guys, uh, we can't get a chance. We might, might, might got to do a, do a little shooting contest up there in Smithfield and, and see who's the winner, like man. But I definitely want to ask you guys, do you, do you guys have any plans for, for, do you guys know what you're doing uh, for Selection Sunday? You guys going to have something on campus or what are the plans looking like for that? Yeah, we're setting something up on campus right now. So hopefully we should get a pretty good turnout. We're going to invite the students and the community and should be a good night and celebrate our uh, wherever we're going to play. And then we get uh, get our game plan going and get prepared. Awesome, man. Well, congratulations to you guys, man. It's been super fun watching you guys. And obviously for Pete, just watching you grow over the past, you know, four years since playing with you, man. And super happy for both of you guys and all you guys have been able to accomplish, man. So best of luck going forward. And, uh, hopefully, you know, you guys can, can get a get a, get a nice draw and make some history up there in the NCAA tournament. That's the plan. 
Appreciate it, Ace. Thanks, Ace. No problem at all. All righty, guys. That was Peter Kiss and Jared Grosso, man. Peter Kiss and uh, Drew and I go way back to our Quinnipiac days, man. It was, it's, it's just amazing seeing him, man, seeing his growth from being on the all-rookie team in the MAC as a freshman, man. And that, that team was special, man. Peter Kiss averaged 13 a game on that team. Mikey Dixon was the rookie of the year in the league in the, in the MAC that year, averaged about 16 a game. And he's over at Idaho, man, doing great things. He just passed the 1,500-point mark for his career, man. So both of those guys have had outstanding careers, man. It's been a pleasure to watch those two guys grow up and, and see the things that they've been able to accomplish, man. But for Peter Kiss, man, last night watching him, you know, go on and make a statement, man, because he got robbed. Like, he, he got robbed for that NEC player of the year, man. Plain and simple, man. And um, it, it, it's a shame that, that it went that way. But like I said, he had the last lab because I'm sure that even if you had Alex Morales, I'm sure, I'm sure Alex Morales would trade that player of the year uh, to be going dancing right now. So uh, you heard Peter Kiss say that on the podcast. You know, he, he would rather have this ring uh, than the player of the year award. So it all worked out in the end. You know, Morales gets the individual goal and Pete Kiss is going dancing. So kudos to him. Kudos to Jared Grosso for the job that he was able to do. And super happy for those guys, man. And super excited to see them uh, in the tournament or the national stage. Yeah, man. I mean, Pete Kiss is going to be a uh, much a much darling now after his performance going for 34 last night in the NFC Championship game and uh, all the antics that came with it, man. They're going to have a lot of eyeballs on him in the NCAA tournament, man. And uh, Jared Grosso was no finish to the NCAA tournament either after all his years under Tim Kluth at Iona, man. So those guys are going to score a lot of points. So, you know, be careful, man, whoever they see. They're probably going to get, I would assume, probably a, 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 the playing game. Um, so should be some fun basketball in that first playing game in Dayton. And then, uh, you know, should be some fun basketball, man, if, if he uh, gets in the NCAA tournament, man, you know, and uh, – Guess to maybe see a one sixteen, you know, we'll see, man. Maybe maybe, maybe could provide some fireworks, man, for the uh, nation's leading score. No, for sure, man. It's, it's gonna be a lot of fun. I, I can't wait to watch him. I can't wait to see, you know, what he pulls out in, in the NCAA tournament, man. But there are more bids to be to be punched, man. And, and, and there's a bunch of tournaments that are, that are still going on. So uh, we're, we're gonna we're gonna dive into one of those that's getting ready getting ready to uh, get going. That's the Conference USA. So, um, Drew, man, what, what are you looking at for the Conference USA? Yeah, man. I mean, obviously, uh, no Texas had a slip up the last game of the season, uh, the regular season, excuse me, uh, against UTEP, man. And I've seen a lot of people that are just, you know, crowning UAB uh, as the champions, um, which I think is, is is a bit disrespectful to no Texas, man. Obviously, we talked about this, I believe it was two weeks ago uh, on the auto bit about, you know, kind of how no Texas has kind of getting, gotten slighted despite, you know, winning the regular season in Conference USA, despite being the defending Conference USA champions. Um, and I'm still rolling with them. You know, I think that they should be the favorite going into the Conference USA tournament, and I'm still picking them to cut down the nets out of Conference USA. Um, obviously, we'll have to see, you know, basketball game will have to be played, man, but I think, uh, you know, for people, everybody, you know, pumping the, uh, the, 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 the UAB stock, you know, I think you guys just slow roll a little bit. You know what I'm saying? No Texas is, is still the defending champs, and I'm, I'm, I'm rocking with them. And I, I agree. I, I think I'm rocking with no Texas, too. Um, Obviously, they're they're going to be a team. Both of these teams are going to be desperate because I don't, I think UAB is a team that definitely is not on on the at large radar right now. They're sitting at fifty five in the net, uh, twenty one and seven overall. They're only four and three in, in quadrants, one and two, um, seven and four on the road, one and one neutral site. So they're definitely not in the, the at large picture. Kempom has them at, at fifty three, and for North Texas, they're they're in a little bit better shape. They're at thirty nine in the net, um, twenty one and four on the year, nine and zero on the road. That's a big number because the, the committee says that they that they value. Uh, road win, so they, they got nine of them right now. Uh, two and two on neutral court, um, six and three in, in uh, quad one and two games. So they're in a little bit better position, but 
definitely, I think a loss for them would would you'll be sweating on Selection Sunday if you're North Texas, man. So um, I think they're going to be a team that's going to be looking to go out here and, and leave no doubt and go out and get that automatic bid. So I think the only way that they could survive is if they maybe made a run to the championship game and maybe lost to UAB. Then I believe maybe it'll, it'll be it'll be real close. But uh, you don't even want to let it get to that point. So I think if you're North Texas, you want to go out there and leave no doubt, man, and 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 try to you know get the automatic bid. So Conference USA will be a fun league to watch. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how that ends up shaking out. Um, you know, see if, see if we get a UAB North Texas title game because that would be absolutely electric uh, if it happened. Now, from one conference with a team trying to leave no doubt to another, man, in the MAC, Iona is obviously the heavy favorite. Um, most people are picking them to kind of win the league, and the MAC got tournament uh, got started off last night, and we already have an upset. You know, Quinnipiac pulled up the first upset of the night. You know, the 11th seed Quinnipiac Bobcats were able to get a 25 point victory. Over Maris, man, I'm gonna tip my hat a little bit because I did pick this upset, you know, on the uh, the, the Monmouth podcast earlier in this week. You know, I actually predicted Quinnipiac uh, going all the way to the semifinals. I picked them upsetting Maris and upsetting Siena in this next round as well. So the first half of my prediction came true. Had a huge game from Jacob Bergoni. Uh, Fairfield was also able to get a win over Canisius, advancing to the quarterfinals. But Ace, man, I mean, what are you looking at in the MAC? Um, are you seeing upsets on the horizon? Do you think anything? you know, out of the ordinary could happen. I mean, what are you looking at? Look, I'm looking at that potential semifinal matchup between Iona and Monmouth, if everything, you know, works out that way. I think that's going to be that. I mean, look, coming into the, coming into the, you know, to the Mac conference season, you know, Iona and Monmouth were the two best teams in the league at the other non-conference session, man. I'm going to have to beat Iona first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say. My, 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 that's going to be a tough game. Yeah. Marcus Hammond, did you know this? I know this. Marcus Hammond is a EJ Crawford 2.0. He wanted to come to, to, to Monmouth, was begging to come to Monmouth, was, was shadowing, I think it was Ray Salonay on visit. King Rice didn't offer him, and he's been scorching Monmouth ever since. Uh, the Mac, I think he's averaging 20-plus uh, per game points. I, I learned this on the podcast this week, man, and uh, this is going to come with the vengeance versus versus Monmouth uh, uh, in this in this quarterfinal matchup, man. So don't be so quick to, to, to pencil Monmouth into that semifinal round, man, because Marcus Hammond could be looking for blood. Hey, you you aren't wrong. Last time Marcus Hammond saw the act, saw saw Monmouth, he had 27 points, uh, five rebounds, hit four threes, and, and Niagara won uh 70 and 69 in overtime over Monmouth. So they, they, they split the season series. So I, I listen, I, I'm not saying it's a cakewalk by any chance of it, but if there's one game that I want to see in the Mac tournament, uh, it's Monmouth and Iona. I mean, we we've all heard you know the noise from George Pappas all year. We we had him on earlier in the year, man. He he wants Iona. You know, I'm 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 upset that that couldn't be a potential championship game. You know, but uh. Obviously, Iona swept Monmouth in the regular season. They beat him twice. So, you know, it's hard to beat a team three times. I, I, I went to that at the CA tournament firsthand this weekend, man. A bunch of teams that have beat teams twice. Obviously, Hofstra beat Kyle Charleston twice. Charleston got him in uh in, in D.C. Towson had beaten Delaware twice. Delaware got him uh, down there in D.C., man. UNC Wilmington had beaten Delaware twice. And Delaware got them in a championship game. So, um, that was, you know, the the, 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 the theme down there uh, in, in D.C. is, you know, the only team that won after the beating a team twice was UNC Wilmington who beat uh, College of Charleston for the third time uh, down down there in D.C. So, you know, it's, it's hard to beat a team three times, man, but I'm looking forward to that potential semifinal matchup if Monmouth can avoid being upset by Niagara um, and Iona can avoid uh, being upset by Ryder, which I don't see, you know, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Obviously, the Mac tournament is always wacky, so you never know, you know, what, what we can see up there, but that's going to be a super fun game in the semifinals matchup if, if it happens. For sure, man, for sure, man. Now, from uh, one former conference that we used to play in to another, man, the MEAC tournament is getting kicked off tonight. 
our Coppin State Eagles are going to face the Howard Bison uh, tonight in a 7-2 matchup. I mean, I think they have a lot of uh, potential upsets. I mean, obviously, like I said, Coppin State's the seventh seed. And um, I like them over Howard tonight. I like them over Howard tonight. If, 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 if they do win this game, man, then they'll see the winner of North Carolina Central and Maryland Eastern Shore, which I think is another winnable game for Coppin State. On the other side of the bracket, you got Norfolk State and uh, AT Delaware State and Morgan and South Carolina State, man. So I think Morgan, I mean, excuse me, Norfolk is obviously, I think, going to get that victory uh, pretty convincingly, convincingly over Delaware State, man. But I don't know, man. I mean, do you think, do you see Norfolk coming out of the MEAC? Do you think somebody else could could surprise them and and, and, and steal the bid? Like, what are your thoughts on the MEAC? There's two, two teams that I think could surprise Norfolk State. Um, one of them is Morgan State uh, out of Baltimore. Morgan State is playing some great basketball right now. They're probably the hottest team um, in the MEAC right now. Um, they've currently won four straight games. That's, that's, that's the longest streak in the in the uh, MEAC right now, man. And they just beat uh, Norfolk State at their place um, on February 21st, man. They beat them 85-74. So put, put the regular season series um, with Norfolk State. And, and obviously, uh, those two teams played for the championship last year. Kevin Brodus and Rob Jones, two great coaches, man. And Morgan obviously has I said they're looking for some revenge, man, after last year's, you know, defeat in the title game, man. So that's one team, man. And the other team, uh, as much as I hate to say it, you know, because they're playing, they're playing conference competent tonight. And we talked about how hard it is to beat a team three times. And Coppin is obviously beating Howard twice this year. They're going to get Jesse Jones really back uh, for this game versus Howard, for, for, versus Howard, which is going to be huge. And if, if there's one team that could beat, you know, somebody three times, it, it is compensated because they are going to get uh, Jesse Jesse Jones really back uh, in this matchup. But if Howard is able to advance, they are a dangerous, dangerous team, man. And I, I think, like I said, Kenny Blakeney, I've spoken about him all year, man, and the job that he's been able to do with this program um, in, in year, I believe, three now at, at Howard. Um, it, it's, it's truly impressive, man. 16-12 won the year, 9-5. and five. They had the conference rookie of the year um, in Elijah Hawkins, man. They have a first-team all-MEAC player um, in Kyle Foster. And then also have, obviously, um, Steve Settle and Randall Brumont. Both of those guys are outstanding players. I believe both of them ended up ended up landing on one of the all-conference teams. Um, so they're very talented, very well coached, very very uh, disciplined. And Norfolk did beat Howard twice. So, you know, obviously Norfolk would have to be, would be going for a third victory against them. But I do think Howard is a team that could cause some trouble um, as, as, as well as Morgan State. Well, I mean, we, we've already seen one Mike Brady disciple and Martin English be punching tickets to the NCAA tournament. I don't think Hank Blakeney Coach under Mike Bray, but obviously, you know, the, the matter of the connection and, uh, you know, King Blakeney has spoken already publicly about the impact Mike Bray has had on his life, man. So we'll see another Mike Bray disciple can punch their ticket to the NCAA tournament and, and King Blakeney and Howard, man. But last but not least, man, you're going to be covering the 810 tournament this weekend here in D.C. And uh, obviously, Davidson gets the number one seed. They won the regular season title, man. But BCU is a team that a lot of people are picking kind of as a, a sleeper pick, a sleeper pick or, you know, kind of, um, a team that could kind of win the A-10 and upset Davidson. Um, I'm looking at the bracket right now, man. I mean, I'm, I mean, if George Mason can, can get by Fordham, that, I mean, that George Mason-Davidson matchup could be a tough one. Obviously, Joshua Dura was named to the Atlantic 10 first team, becoming the first player in George Mason's history uh, to make the all A-10 first team in school history. Obviously, we got St. Bonnie's who's sitting at the fourth seed who could be, you know, could be seeing a potential St. Bonnie's Davidson semifinal matchup. That would be very, very fun. But for you, Ace, I mean, we were looking at in the A-10. Is Davidson your team to beat? Do you have them coming out of the A-10 and then punching their automatic bits in the tournament? I just want to say that the top half of the bracket in the A-10 is a, is a bear. You have Davidson, 
St. Bonaventure, St. Louis, and George Mason all in that one upper quadrant of that bracket, man. That's going to be a bear uh, to come out of, man, for whoever comes out of that out of the, out of that side of the bracket, man. And we're talking about a potential semifinal matchup in the in the um, MAC. How about a potential matchup in the semis between Davidson and St. Bonaventure? I mean, that would be must see TV. The seniors of St. Bonaventure and all of that that they've been through um, over the last four years, coming off of the A10 championship last year, and then Davidson, obviously, with the season that they've been able to have. You know, winning the league in the regular season, man. I mean, that would be a bear uh, of a semifinal game between between you know Bob McKillop and Davidson and and Mark Schmidt and St. Bonaventure, man. I mean, that would be must see TV. So, I mean, look, as much as I want George Mason and Kim English to advance, and even a, a game with George Mason and, and St. Bonaventure would be would be fun to watch because I saw that game down here in Virginia and it was a very closely contested game, man. But if we get that semifinal matchup between you know Davidson and St. Bonaventure, and listen, St. Bonaventure's gonna have to get by St. Louis. Which is gonna be which is who who is the five seed in, in that region? So that, that's definitely no cakewalk either. Uh, obviously, Yuri Collins is, is an outstanding point guard, and Travis Ford is, is a great coach, and and those guys have had a great um, season as well. So, like I said, man, the top half of that bracket is a bear, man. We're gonna get some great matchups down in DC, man. I'm super excited uh, to get down there and watch it, man, because it's gonna be a lot of fun. Well, guys, you heard it here first, man. It's gonna be a lot of exciting basketball to play. A lot of bids will be punched in the next coming days. Selection Sunday is right around the corner. Make sure you guys are following us on all platforms, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, uh, for all of our content coming around this March Madness time of the year. That's going to be all for myself, Andrew Robinson, and Aaron Robinson. Make sure you guys are subscribing to the podcast, sharing this podcast, telling a friend to tell a friend. Again, we want to thank Peter Kirst and Jared Grasso for coming on. Congrats to them for winning the Atlantic 10. But without further ado, we're going to let Pull Up Tay take us out with some music. Until next time, folks, next time you see us, man, we're going to have a bracket. We're going to be doing some predictions and some, you know, trying to figure out who, who's going to be this year's uh, Cinderella. So can't wait to see you guys next week. Take your best shot. I'm going to take the last shot. I'm drawing in the clutch, boy. You beating on me. It's time to get a check, boy. You want the sideline. You ain't made the headlines. Now it's time to reject, boy. You beating on me. Discussion. What we talk about? Take your best shot. I'ma take the last shot. I'm drawing in the clutch, boy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.